Our dear Heavenly Father, you have revealed to us that you are a being that has a gentle spirit. And because you're gentle, we aspire to be gentle too. So I pray for those who are like me and we struggle to be gentle, that you would grant us a grace and uh, we could grow to be more like Jesus Christ. And I ask this in Christ's name, amen. Simon the Pharisee invited Jesus to his house for a big supper. Uh, and in Christ's day, people didn't sit at tables on chairs. They actually uh, reclined on the floor. And they put their weight on their left arm, their legs went behind them, and they ate with their right hand. And so uh, Simon's banquet room was full of men uh, eating at this uh, uh, special supper. And uh, to everyone's surprise, uh, the door to the room opened and uh, a notorious prostitute from the city walked into the room. Uh, everyone knew her. Uh, uh, but no one was sure what she was doing there. And she walked around the, the uh, uh, wall until she came to Christ and she knelt down and picked up his left foot and began to kiss it. And then she burst into tears. And everybody is staring at her. And her tears were falling so hard that she began to uh, wipe Christ's foot with her tears. And then she loosed the ribbon in her hair and began to dry the tears with her hair. And then she pulled out a little vase and poured a perfumed oil on Christ's feet and began to massage the oil into his feet. And Simon the Pharisee thought to himself, if this guy was really a prophet, he would know who is touching him and he would never permit her to touch him. When I read this story, I have a suspicion about Simon. Uh, how did she get in that house? 
Somebody must have known her. Somebody must have seen her before because you just can't wander into Simon's house. But Simon is thinking ugly thoughts about her and suspicious thoughts about Christ. So Jesus said, Simon, I'd like to ask you a question. And Simon said, all right. Jesus said there was a man who loaned money to two different people. He loaned $100 to one man, and he loaned $10,000 to another man. And when, when it was time to pay, neither one of them had the money. And the uh, man who made the loan felt sorry for them, so he just forgave the loans. Just said, I'll cover it. And Jesus said, Simon, which one of those two do you think loved the loner the most? And Simon said, I would guess the one who got forgiven for $10,000. And Jesus said, Simon, you're right. And I want you to learn something from that. I came to your house and you didn't follow the custom and offer me some water to wash my feet. This lady that you despise, she's washing my feet with her tears. Uh, I came to your house and you didn't give me a kiss of greeting. This lady can't stop kissing my feet. I came to your house and you didn't anoint my head with oil and she has anointed my feet with perfume. He said, Simon, the one who is forgiven much, the one who loves much is forgiven much. This is another beautiful moment of the gentleness of Christ changing the world around him. You see, Jesus understood that gentleness restores broken souls. Yes, the lady had failed in life. No, she hadn't lived the kind of life her parents had hoped she would live. But Jesus didn't have it in his heart to make her feel worse. He had it in his heart to restore her. And the way he restored her was with a spirit of gentleness. I promise you, that lady went out of that house that day a radically different woman. And it was the gentleness of Christ that restored her. And so we learn in Galatians from the Apostle Paul, brothers, if anyone, is, if, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual, restore him with the spirit of gentleness and keep watch on yourself 
lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. In our study of gentleness, I believe it's important that we learn that gentleness is the first good response to the failures of others. Paul starts this by saying, brothers. This is the idea that Paul says, as Christians, we're going to respond to life different than non-Christians. If Christians don't respond to life differently than non-Christians, then our Christianity is a joke. And he said, I want you to start right up front, and I want you to see yourself as Christians, and when you see yourself as a Christian, I want you to have different expectations for yourself. And the place he said, I want you to have different expectations is, how do you respond when you know somebody around you made a mistake, committed a sin, failed in some way? You see, really, there's two different kinds of responses. The first is the judgmental response. That is the response that immediately judges everybody for every mistake they ever made. It's the finger-pointing response. And the second response is, this person made a mistake. They failed. But failure is never final. I wonder what I can do to help them. That's the gentle response. In your life this week, you're going to see people make mistakes. In your life this week, you're going to see people have failures. You're going to see people sin. If you don't see it, you're going to hear about it. Somebody's going to tell you about somebody who messed up. And I believe if we're going to live out our faith, we have to have a different first response to failure. And it has to be a gentle, restoring response. It can't be, I knew they were phonies all along. This doesn't surprise me. Church? Four times in the Bible, God says, love covers. The first one is in Proverbs 17, 9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. But whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. You see what God is saying? We respond with gentleness and love, and that covers mistakes. Or, or, we just can't wait to get on the phone and tell somebody the salacious thing we heard about somebody who made a mistake. Church. If you see a person caught in a transgression, you get to decide what kind of person you're going to be. Are you going to be the kind of person who helps this person get better, or are you going to be the kind of person who delights in spreading the ugly? You just can't wait to tell 
everybody who will listen the failure of someone else. Church, you see, that is not the spirit of Christ. I hope you know that. This word for transgression is interesting. It means to step off the path. It's a common word in the New Testament for sin. When you see somebody sin, what should you do? I'm suggesting the first thing we should do is we should have a gentle spirit toward them. Our, the impulse of our heart shouldn't be to condemn them or make them look bad to other people. The first impulse of our heart should be, what can I do to help this person get back on track? Can you hear me, church? Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Did you hear that? Hatred makes things worse, but love covers all offenses. When we see a failure in others, um, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. And I just so happen to have six of them. One, do I enjoy seeing others fail? If you see somebody make a mistake or you hear about a failure of somebody else, would you ask your question, do I enjoy the fact that this person failed? Because oddly enough, in my Christian life, I've run into a lot of people who absolutely find joy in the failures of others. Somehow or another, it makes them feel better about themselves because somebody else failed. Church? And let's not act pious. We've all been there. Someone we didn't appreciate or like messed up, and something in us said, yes. Church? I don't want to be that guy. The second question, do I feel any real sorrow in the failure of others? When I see somebody who fails, can I share in their sorrow? Because there is a certain sorrow that goes with every failure, isn't there? There's a certain sorrow that is part of every sin. When, some, when I know somebody else failed and I examine my heart, do I feel any sorrow with them that they failed the way they did and, and, and they're going to have to go through difficult times because uh, they failed that way? The third question, do I like to spread the story of the failures of others? Do you find an eager joy in telling somebody else the failures that you know about someone? I've had people tell me stuff like it happened yesterday and it happened 25 years ago. And they're still getting joy, they're still getting joy out of a failure that somebody had 25 years ago. You can hear the glee in their voice as they tell the story. 
Hey, Doc, did you know? Church, that's ugly. Can we agree? That is small and ugly. The fourth question. Am I willing to spare the one who failed? Am I willing to say, life is hard enough, they don't need me piling on, and I'm going to spare them? Five. What type of judgments do I make about a person who failed? Do I go beyond the failure and then start judging them as a person? Do you see? There's a difference between failing and making a mistake and being a bad person. Can you accept that? Uh, we all make mistakes. We all, we all, we all wish we had do-overs. We all have moments, if we could do it over, we would have done it very, very differently. Because a person makes a mistake doesn't make them the Antichrist. When I see a person make a mistake, am I willing to withhold judgment and say, that was a mistake, but it doesn't mean that they're uh, a worthless person? The last question. How will I try to help the person who failed? Do I have any impulse in my heart to say, this person has made a mistake, I'm not going to pile on, I'm going to look for a way to help them. I'm going to look for a way to encourage them. I'm going to look, I, I, I'm going to give them a hand and, and try to help them get up again. Church? You see, my response to the failures of others says a whole lot about who I am. In fact, it often says more about who I am than who they are. I can see myself very, very clearly, uh, I, I can see my psyche very clearly in how I respond to the failures of others. And the scriptures teach us our ambition should be to respond to the failures of others with the spirit of restoring gentleness. You see, there is spiritual power in the gentleness of restoring. Whoever is spiritual, let him restore them with the spirit of gentleness. This is the classic word we've studied through this series on gentleness. What is the spirit of gentleness? It's the inner quality of being gentle. It is an inner awareness of being gentle. All right, what is the spirit of gentleness? I have an inner awareness that I'm going to respond with the characteristics of gentleness and not harshness. It is an awareness that this is a moment, this is a perfect moment for me to practice Christian gentleness. Why is gentleness uh, restoring? Let's just work our way through it. Do you know you can restore relationships by being polite? If you have a broken relationship with someone, just being polite begins to rebuild the relationship. There is a restoring power in being polite. 
and politeness is part of gentleness. Do you see? Uh, uh, there, is a, uh, there is a bonding of human nature through means of just being polite. Church, try it. You don't have to take my word for it. Uh, the person that you have a hard time getting along with, be more polite to them. I'll bet it changes things. Maybe not instantly, but I'll bet it changes things. There is a restoring power in politeness. There is a restoring power. Uh, remember, uh, gentle means tamed. There is a restoring power in taming what is most ugly about who I am. The more I tame my ugly impulse to be judgmental of others, the more the spirit of gentleness will be restoring through me. Do you see it? When I give in to my impulse uh, uh, to be untamed, that does damage. When I, re when, I, when I tame the inner ugly, it has a restoring power for the people around me. The power of self-control is restoring. Did you ever hear the saying, um, uh, if you find yourself in a, a hole, stop digging? <laughs> Anybody ever hear that? Uh, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. It's the idea that you've already got yourself in a mess, so stop digging the mess, stop making it worse. All right. Self-control is restoring because I stop digging. I stop doing the things that make things worse. This fits what we're talking about perfectly. Somebody makes a mistake. And I have a history of being judgmental. And so when they make a mistake, the very first thing they expect from me is the judgmental attitude the harshness, the criticism, the rudeness. That's what they expect because that's what they've always gotten. What if it changes and their expectation is for me to be harsh, but this time I have self-control? This time I don't respond the way they expect. And this time, instead of harshness, they get gentleness. It has a restoring power. Remember, gentleness means friendly. There's something restoring about being friendly. Church? Gentleness means reasonable. It's unreasonable to kick somebody when they're down. It's unreasonable to be harsh to somebody when they're probably already tearing their guts out on the inside and criticizing themselves. Church? It's unreasonable. On the other hand, I look at Jesus Christ, and I see the most reasonable person who ever lived, and oh, how gentle he was to the fallen woman. The goal should be restoration, not condemnation. The goal should be restoration, not humiliation. 
And in our culture, the goal should be restoration, not cancellation. We live in the cancel culture. Brother, you do one thing wrong and you are canceled. Uh, it, you don't even have to do something wrong. In our culture, the accusation is the verdict. You just have to be accused of doing something wrong and people are ready to cancel you instantly. Am I right, church? But we are practicing a different virtue. We're saying when somebody makes a mistake, I'm not looking to condemn them, I'm looking to restore them. When somebody makes a mistake, I'm not looking to humiliate them, I'm looking to restore them. When someone makes a mistake, I'm not looking to cancel them, I'm looking to restore them. This is the spirit of gentleness doing the work of restoring broken souls. James said, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. There's the phrase again, covering. There is the idea again. When I have a spirit of gentleness and I encounter someone who has failed, God is going to work through my life and their sins are going to be covered. Gentleness with others reminds us of our own weakness. Uh, Paul goes on to say, when you see somebody else make a mistake, you ought to take a good look in the mirror and keep a watch on yourself because you can be tempted too, Hoss. Right? Jesus was brilliant at parables. And one day he was talking to some people who had judgmental spirits. And he said, you remind me of a guy who had a two-by-four in his eye. I don't know, work accident or something. Uh, bad luck. He had a two-by-four in his eye. And he said to one of his co-workers, hey, I see you got a little splinter in your eye. Let me get that splinter out of your eye. And his co-worker said, are you nuts? You got a two-by-four in your eye. You get the two-by-four out of your eye, and then we'll talk about the splinter in my eye. That is a great story Jesus told. What was he saying? He's saying, before you nitpick the mistakes of others, you better take a good look in the mirror because you may be more messed up than they are. Church, if I've got a two-by-four in my eye, I'm looking for gentleness. <laughs> Please, don't jerk it out. Ah, uh, let's find a... Let's, let's, A nail in my leg, get me to the hospital, Dooley. <laughs> Every failure I see in someone else should be a reminder that I make mistakes too. I will be more gentle with the failures of others if I look at myself and say, dude, you've gone off the rails yourself. You got issues. Before you jump ugly with other people, you better, 
you, you better remember, you're not perfect. Every failure reminds me that I need gentleness. How do I want to be treated when I fail? How, when I make mistakes, when I sin, how do I want to be treated? I guarantee you, I want to be treated gently. I, uh, when I go to the Lord and say, hey, I'm sorry, but here I am again. Same old stupidity. I don't want him to go, yeah, and I'm getting sick of hearing it. You better get your stuff together, dude. I, I, I couldn't bear that. When I take my ugliness to Christ, he says, yeah, we got to work on that, dude, but I forgive you. Do you hear that? Jesus said, if somebody sins against you seven times in one day, and they, can't, they come back to you every single time and say, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Jesus said, forgive them. Do you hear that? You know what that means? That's what he does. Christ is not going to ask me to forgive people if he's not forgiving. The failures of others remind me how much I appreciate and value the gentle responses of Christ to my failures. First Peter 4, 8. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. There it is again. Do you see this is a theme in the Bible? This is not a one-off idea. This idea goes from Old Testament to New Testament, that when we are living the Christian life and we're practicing gentleness and we encounter the failures of others, we respond in a gentle, kind, and loving way, and love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins does not mean crime should go unpunished. Some of you are sitting here, and you're feeling something angry, and you're saying, uh, that means anybody can do anything they want and get away with it. That's not what it means, church. Uh, listen, listen. I can hate the sin and love the sinner. Remember, uh, um, do you remember uh, C.S. Lewis uh, uh, talked to us about that in his book, uh, Mere Christianity? A and he used to say, how is that possible? And then he said, I do it with myself all the time. I hate my own sin, but I, I, I love myself. We can hate the sin and love the sinner, church. People can be held responsible with a spirit of gentleness. It doesn't have to be ugly. It doesn't have to be harsh. It doesn't have to be uh, uh, irrecoverable. Could I remind you, in this matter of responding with gentleness, Jesus said, with the measure you measure, it will be measured to you. What if it turns out we teach each other to be gentle or we teach each other to be harsh? Do you want your home to be a more gentle place? Be more gentle. 
for with the measure you measure it will be measured to you you will start teaching gentleness in your home by being gentle or we'll teach harshness in our home by being harsh we'll teach anger in our home by being angry uh, with the measure of gentleness you measure it will be measured to you and then Paul said in verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. When I help others with a spirit of gentleness, I am fulfilling the law of Christ. Gentleness is a rich expression of the law of Christ. It is an aspect of the reign of Christ. We say Christ is our Lord. What does that mean? We say he is the one who reigns in our life. And when we look at how he reigns, he reigns with a spirit of gentleness. Church? Uh, next week we're going to learn, Jesus said, if you really want to know what kind of person I am, you'll find I am gentle and I have a humble soul. That's who he is. If you're looking to Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, then you're looking to a being who is perfect in gentleness. And he says his law is not a harsh, angry condemnation. He says his law is a law of love and gentleness. Church. Gentleness is not just going to happen in us. It has to be cultivated. It has to be developed. It has to be thought about. It has to be planned. But it turns out we have a reminder of it, a beautiful reminder of it. Every time somebody does something wrong, it is a divine reminder that Christ is gentle and wants me to be gentle. Church? If I forget about gentleness, if I get busy living and forget about gentleness, somebody's going to do something wrong, and I'm going to hear about it or see it, and that is a flashing red light that says, remember, remember the Christian virtue of gentleness. Every mistake somebody makes is a reminder for me to have the spirit of gentleness like Jesus Christ, church. All right. I want to say, uh, if you see a brother taken in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore them with the spirit of gentleness. We don't leave them in the failure. We don't say it's all right to continue in the failure. We don't say uh, uh, sin isn't sin. That's not the point. The point is we say sin is sin, but I'm not leaving you there. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to help you try to get back on the right track. I'm going to help you find forgiveness. I'm, I'm going to help you uh, connect with other good people who are strong where you're weak. And, and together, uh, uh, we can live out a, 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 a good Christian life. But it has to all be done in a spirit of gentleness. Church? And could I remind you one more time Chet started this sermon series by teaching us uh, uh, Psalm 18.35. David said to God, your gentleness 
makes me great. Church, do you see the spirit of gentleness that goes out to people in their failure and restores them is God making us great. Everybody, well, I can't say everybody, most people would love to go to church where there is the law of gentleness uh, 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 in practice. Most people would like to have a good friend who lives out the spirit of gentleness. Most people would rather work with a gentle person than a harsh person. Do you see, when I practice the, the, when I practice the discipline of gentleness, God makes me great. When you practice the spirit of gentleness, God makes you great. Our dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us. I do pray that you would help us. I pray that we would have a different attitude about the mistakes and the failures of people around us. I pray that we would have the very same attitude that Christ has. And as Christ is quick to be gentle and forgiving, I pray that we would be quick to be gentle and forgiving. I pray that as Christ restores us to fellowship with God, we would restore broken people. Uh, uh, we would reconnect them. We would lift them up. And I pray that this spirit of gentleness would make us great individuals, would make our homes great, our churches great. In Christ's name, amen.